Hi, my name is Tracy Rowley. I am an Education Technology Integration Specialist, and I am a member of the EdTech Army. Welcome to the Sons of Technology Clubhouse. Ditch your fear at the door, take a risk, and enjoy the ride with your hosts, Joe Marquez and Kyle Anderson. Welcome, everybody, to another fantastic episode of the podcast by the Sons of Technology. My name is Joe Marquez, Director of Academic Innovation for Q and an educator out of the Central Valley of California. And as always, my partner in innovation, Kyle Anderson. Kyle, please introduce yourself. Hey, hey, everybody. My name is Kyle Anderson. I am a special education teacher in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I'm going to put it out there right now that I, this is basically my first official announcement, but I will be transitioning out of the classroom next fall into a new position. My new title will be Special Education Instructional Facilitator. So it's essentially a TOSA position where I will be in charge of reviewing IEPs before they are held, uh, making sure that all the paperwork is in compliance, helping teachers to implement IEPs, looking over behavior plans, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we have one of those at my current school, and I'm going to be staying at my current school, but we have such a large uh, student population with IEPs at my school that my principal decided that we needed a second SEAF position, as we call it uh, for short, instead of saying special education instructional facilitator every single time. Uh, so I will be transitioning to that in the fall. So hasn't really hit me yet, but um, I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity to try something new, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Anderson EdTech, same thing with Instagram. And then I am also the author of a book called To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking. You can find that on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com and through my publisher, Edumatch Publishing. And after Spring Q, I got the itch to start writing a little bit more again. So my blog has been a little bit more active lately. So you can find that at andersonedtech.net. All right. Well, hey, I, I was thinking while you were talking, like, oh, there has to be an acronym for that new position. And you said it's SEAF. I'm like, yes, yeah, SEAF. There's got to be a way you can rearrange some of these letters and be called sheriff. Right. It's got the it's got the le the, the, the letters there. You just got to add an H and an R. So find a way to do that. We call you Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Anderson here on the on the podcast. <laughs> um, and, and listeners, you know, it, it's no secret that, you know, we were at Q. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, it was March 17th, 18th, and 19th in Palm Springs, California. And it took, it, it, I don't know about you, Kyle, but it, it took about two weeks for me to kind of just decompress and and, and just get my sea legs back. Because it, it was a fantastic event, a fun event, great to see everybody. But I was running around like crazy every minute of every day. And I, would, I was so tired. And so, you know, that's why we've been kind of silent these last couple of weeks, because I think we both needed to catch our breath from being around that many educators, you know, in, in, in such a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So every year that we go to Q, I always write a blog post in the days afterward, kind of reflecting on my time there, what I learned, uh, that kind of thing. And, and this year was no different. However, that blog post took me over a week to write. Not because I didn't know what to write, but 
like you said, I was just so mentally drained after the fact that as soon as I got home on Saturday night uh, from the event, and this is after driving home four hours from Palm Springs. It's a four-hour drive through the Mojave Preserve back to Las Vegas from Palm Springs. I got home at a reasonable time. I, I believe it was like 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock when I got home. And um, I just relaxed a little bit uh, and then went to bed. And I slept for almost 10 hours that night just trying to catch up from the previous few days. And it wasn't that I didn't sleep at Q. I mean, I was still getting decent sleep while I was there. I wasn't doing like in years past where you're going out until two o'clock in the morning and just, uh, you know, hanging out with people and just ripping it right up. So part of it was because I just was so tired after the long days. And part of it also was, it was very strange how everything, it was like they were rolling the streets up at 10 PM in Palm Springs. I don't know. Did you notice that where so many things were closed at, at an early hour, even on Friday night? I don't know, Kyle. I, I, I was an out past nine. <laughs> I think I was in, in bed by that time just because I, I had to be, well, I, I was really focused on keeping my workout schedule in, getting up, going for my walk, going for my run. So I, I had like an hour and a half, two hour buffer in the morning where I had to do all my stuff and then get to the convention center to get the day started before uh, participants started rolling in. So I was in bed almost every night by, by nine o'clock. Um, so I have no idea if they were rolling the streets up by 10 because I rolled up, I rolled up into bed before nine. Well, I'll, I'll just say it then the, the few of the places that we would try to go to, yeah, they were closing at nine, 10 o'clock, even on Thursday night, which, you know, Thursday, I mean, whatever, but Thursday was St. Patrick's Day. So, and it was kind of strange to see so many things closed. And then, well, and then even on night one or before day one, I should say, when we rolled into town, you and I and Adam Juarez were looking to get some food delivered on Uber Eats. And there were literally five places open on Uber Eats. And this was at what, like 8.30 at night. This was not like, it wasn't like we were looking for cheeseburgers at midnight or something like that. It was just um, it was just really strange. And and I think part of it is because it's a community that uh, it's an older population in Palm Springs. It's more of a retirement community. So a lot of that stuff, um, many people don't don't need late at night. And then B, I think there's just still a lot of the ramifications from COVID in, in place where just a lot of things uh, might be a shortage of workers. It might be just uh, uh, short of demand uh, for those things, you know, and then all of a sudden, over 3,000 educators roll into town and they're demanding these things and they're not available. So, but no, it was definitely a lot of fun and uh, yeah, tiring. Like I said, I, I got back on Saturday. I slept for almost 10 hours. And then even over the course of the next few days, I was just trying to decompress the different things that were going on in Palm Springs. And uh, yeah, it took me about a week to get that blog post uh, knocked out, but I did write it. So it is available on andersonedtech.net if you'd like to go back and take a look at it. No, Kyle, like uh, my... I would like to talk about the conference, but because before we get to what do we do after the conference, like what do we do with the information that we've gathered and and so on and so forth, um, I want to get your take on the conference because we're we're we have very two different perspectives. I'm part of the team that helped plan and implement the conference. You are a longtime Q member who has attended this conference multiple years before it was paused into virtual for COVID. I would love to hear your take on 
uh, changes made to the conference, uh, things that you liked, things that should be different, things that you'd like to see uh, addressed. I would love to hear it from a member perspective. How did you think the conference went and what were some of your favorite parts of it and what are some of the things you would like to see changed in the future? Well, for starters, um, I thought it went very well. So considering it had been three years since an in-person conference, uh, I was, I don't want to say nervous or apprehensive going into it, but I just kind of wondered what it was going to look like and, and how well attended it was going to be. So now in the past, I've, I've been to Q conferences where there was maybe 5,000 people there. I believe the first one I went to back in 2016 had close to 7,000. So this time around being there was only 3,000, it was, it was much smaller. But I think, um, and I can't speak for this, maybe you can confirm this or deny it, but I think that was by design where uh, there wasn't as, it wasn't designed to be as big this time around, just trying to get the feet wet possibly. But what came with that being a smaller conference that was nice was that in the past you had sessions that were at the Palm Springs Convention Center and then also the Renaissance Hotel, which those are connected. So it's not like you're really going too far between those places, but then you also had sessions at two other locations that were up to a mile away in the past. And if you're looking at the schedule and seeing that at noon, I'm going to go to this session at the convention center. Then there's a session at 1.15 over at, I believe, uh, the Hard Rock Hotel, which I believe is under a different name now in Palm Springs. They had sessions as well. So you almost had to either leave your session early to get over to the other location or just find something else and not go to that session as a result. So being it was smaller and everything could be at the convention center, I thought that was really nice because it really cut down on that time that you had to travel in between different places. And then the other thing that was real nice was that because there was the virtual option, you had a lot of sessions that were being streamed live to where you could, maybe you didn't want to sit in the room with the pre presenter. Maybe you wanted to be in your hotel room and you could still attend a session while, while you're, um, sitting in your room relaxing or whatever or you could be at home doing it as well and then those sessions are being streamed until i believe it's the end of april so if you were at uh spring q you're able to watch those sessions until the end of april which is a real nice touch as well uh so i, I really like the fact that those two those things the smaller conference and the virtual aspect of it were there as well so um i also like the fact that there was not a closing keynote so I left around 2.30 on Saturday. So if there had been a closing keynote, I wouldn't have been there anyway. Now, there was a few sessions I could have gone to that day after the fact, but I was just so burnt out by then that I'm like, I'm not, I don't need to go to any more sessions. I'm just going to go home. But um, I, I forget who I was talking to about this, where in the past, there's been a closing keynote and you're talking again, several thousand people are there. You walk into that giant convention hall for this final keynote speech and there's maybe 100 people there because so many people had took off at that point, or they were off doing whatever else in Palm Springs at that point. So um, not having that closing keynote's real nice. Um, in place of that, having that uh, game area, trivia time, whatever, in the convention hall where a keynote would normally take place in the morning, that was a lot of fun. That, that was a really cool thing to do, to uh, hang out with people and just let loose and have a little bit of fun um, after two days of just being mind blown over all the different stuff that was going on. Yeah, no, I appreciate that feedback. I mean, that, that was one of the big conversations we were having is, you know, we wanted to, you know, the, the theme of the conference was celebrating educators. And we wanted there to be a celebration of being together in Palm Springs for the conference. That's a celebration 
in and in and of itself. But we wanted there to be a big celebration, almost like a street fair, but at the conference. And our initial, our initial uh, idea was to rent a city park. We were going to rent a city park. We were going to uh, go to the local Costco and buy a thousand. You know, $1.25 hot dogs, you know, with the buns and the and that stuff and, and waters. And we were going to have like a barbecue there and it was, they'd be pre-wrapped and grab and go. Um, but the park was rented out and they said, you can only have this tiny little area. We're like, ah, that's not going to work. Um, and so like, wait, what can we do? And we made the decision, okay, let's not have a third day keynote because of the exact thing that you said, right? Um, you know, we, we do our best to make to make sure that we pay every keynote the same so that, uh, you know, the opening keynote is getting paid as the same as the closing keynote. Uh, but if only 100 people are going to sit there and, and be there for it, what could we use that money for instead? And we've said, hey, let's get video games. Let's get ice cream. Let's get uh, cookies. Let's get brownies. Let's get sodas. Let's get waters. Let's open that entire place up and let's just have a game kind of situation. And, 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 you know, we had a, a 360 photo booth uh, that was purchased through a donation of CTA. Uh, we had, we are uh, the, the food and everything that was there was helped by donation or, or uh, uh, um, by funding from Flipgrid and paper uh, it was just great that, you know, we had amazing vendors who saw the benefit in this celebration and they wanted to be a part of it by sponsoring different aspects of it. And it went off phenomenally. I mean, I took some pictures and there were at one point probably about 1,200, maybe 1,500 people in there all at once playing different games. We had cornhole. We had giant Jenga. At one point, everything was being utilized. and and um, at one point, I had 200 people playing the trivia that we were doing on the main stage, and we were able to give away over a thousand T-shirts to educators. Not, they don't have to spend any money. It's like, come on up and grab a T-shirt. That was fun. Uh, everybody swarming the stage for T-shirts. Um, so I, I appreciate your feedback on that because that's something we want to continue to do. But now, like, how do you go bigger? <laughs> what, what can we do next year to go even bigger in that situation? Yeah, and I know a really good-looking cat that actually won trivia during that time too. So you know, I'm <laughs> you not going to mention doing, names, but his initials are well. KA. Yeah, you did <laughs> so. pretty pretty good job on that. Well, I don't know what was that '90s. Uh, it was 90s the '90s trivia, and the only question I missed was the there was a question about who the the first part of the question was who sang the Friends theme song. It was the Rembrandts, and then the second follow-up question was what was the original theme song supposed to be, but they ended up shutting it down. And I got that one wrong. I thought it was, it's the end of the world as we know by REM, but it ended up being uh, shiny, happy people by REM was that, that was the only question I got wrong during the entire trivia. So um, I guess I know my nineties trivia. So, and these were not like joke, ridiculous questions. I mean, some of them were some pretty deep cuts, but I'm just, I'm a dork and I'm a nineties kid. So, you know, that's, that's the thing with that. So, now, the one thing I did mention, you and I kind of talked about this already, but you know, I'll just put it out here on this platform as well, is that uh, the thing I mentioned was that that was a two-hour block, give or take, on Saturday morning. What if there was a room that had the video games and a handful of those things for the entire conference where 
you could go in and just take a load off and just let loose and have fun for a little bit in there. You know, the cost of that, I, I understand, would be uh, substantially more by having it for three days versus three hours or whatever it'd be. But it, um, I, I'm just in the mind that it, if it can be done, I think that'd be a really cool thing to add to the conference as well. So, but outside of like that, I mean, there's nothing really that was glaring to me that I really truly felt could be improved. Uh, I mean, there's there's little hiccups here and there that sometimes it's oversight, sometimes things you can't can't help. So, like for example, Adam Juarez got double booked for his session and then the Meet the Authors event. So, just a simple oversight. It was disappointing for him, but you know, if that's the biggest glaring thing that I saw, I mean, I'm not saying other things didn't happen and there's not other improvements to be made, but that's the only major thing that I saw during that entire time. Yeah, you know, I look back into that as well, and, and, and it's, you know, the system that we use is supposed to catch things like that, but meet the authors, the, the, the person's name on it was the host, not the different participants. There was no way to have the computer system catch that, so that was an I kind of thing, and so we've already talked about that internally, maybe closing the meet the authors uh, submissions down uh, at the same time that the sessions are being um, um synchronized or categorized so that we can catch those earlier. But you're right. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I do ask this question, Kyle. Um, how did you like the format of Meet the Authors and Meet the Podcasters? Because prior to COVID, Meet the Authors was just that. It was, hey, let's set up some tables. The authors have their books. Just come over and meet the authors. Just chat with them. And what we changed it to during uh, virtual was almost like an interview, like a five-minute interview with the author. Uh, so we thought, hey, why not kind of continue that? Did you like that? Would you like to see a, a different way of going about that? What was, or do you want to continue to do that? Maybe you know, plus one like that. And let's have a place for the authors to be able to sling their wares. You know, what, what, what was your take on that? Yeah, I think you just read my mind because I do like that format where we were given the opportunity to talk about our book and the story behind it and everything. Um, having that five minutes to really get that out there, I thought was pretty cool. Um, one improvement in that is there, there was very few people that showed up for it. So I almost wonder if uh, rather than having the big conference hall, just having it as a regular session room instead, and then advertising a little bit more may have been uh, helpful in that regard. And then the way we did it was we did meet the authors first, and then we did meet the podcasters. And we did those back to back. And then there was time after meet the podcasters where you, you could go out and talk to people that were podcasters out in the main conference area, which, A, I didn't know about that ahead of time. That was something that I kind of learned as I got there. So um, I don't know if that was a miscommunication or if it was something just kind of on a whim was decided, I don't know. Uh, so having those two events, on opposite days, I think would be helpful where you have, say, on one day you have the meet the authors, and then right afterward you have in the same room, you just have areas for all the authors to talk to people, have stickers, whatever it may be. And then the same thing for the meet the podcasters. I think that would have been a nice touch as well by having those on opposite days. And then uh, Q Booms was right after that. After going through my two sessions, uh, meet the authors and meet the podcasters, I didn't stick around for Q Booms. I was, I was actually, uh, pretty gassed at that point because uh, I did quite a bit for both of those uh, events. So, but I mean, I, I guess those would be some improvements on that, but other, otherwise, no, those, both those events were really good. No, that's good. That's good to know because we, we do want to make sure that there's time to, you know, chat a little bit one-on-one -on -one with everybody. So, you know, having that on separate days could possibly 
help with that. So absolutely love that. Um, and, you know, those those sessions are up on the Q uh, YouTube channel. So if anybody missed them, you can go onto the Q uh, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Q Inc. And you can see the entire Meet the Podcaster session, Meet the Author session. Unfortunately, you can't watch the Boom session because uh, there was some uh, intro music for the Boomers, and that's been flagged for copyright. And so it's blocking us from uh, actually having that out there to everybody. But we're, we're looking at ways to kind of just remove the audio for those sections. But as of right now, uh, it, it's just those two are out there. But... But you can still go into the conference platform, as Kyle, as you were talking about, all the sessions that were recorded are up, all the keynotes that were recorded are up, uh, and um, all, all the sessions that are we're allowed to re, uh, re, uh, replay, they're all up. And I have to say allowed because you know you, 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 we, we do go by what our presenters want. And some presenters said, yeah, I'd prefer uh, that my session not be replayable. Like, uh, so we're like, okay. That's that's completely fine. I won't do that. Um, but uh, it's up for everybody to go to. And 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 yes, Kyle, it's up until the end of April. We might even extend that to the middle of May, just so people have enough time to go through and and watch those. Now, Kyle, I know you were super busy during the uh, during the conference. You didn't get to go to you didn't get to go to tons of sessions in person. But I know that you're being able to go back and rewatch the sessions virtually. Um, what what can you do? With those sessions, like uh, meaning like in your district, are, are you allowed to like maybe move up on the pay scale by attending these sessions? Is there something you can do or something you have to give to your district to say that I attended the conference and, um, you know, here's some PD hours for me? Is there anything like that that you have to do in your district? So, yeah, I have gone back and watched uh, a lot of different sessions uh, throughout the last uh, week and a half or so. And I have been tracking the sessions I have been watching and then the ones I did go to in person when I was there. Like you said, I didn't get to go to a lot of sessions while I was there because I did some volunteer work um, helping with badge check-in on a couple of the days, which, uh, by the way, the badge check-in, that, that was probably the smoothest I've ever seen it. I don't know what went into changing how that took place what went this year, but that was the smoothest I had ever seen it. And, I mean, there were literally hundreds upon hundreds of people that came through in that first hour and i think maybe one printer went down was all i mean it, it was just it, it went very very well uh so so between the volunteer time and then i you know helping out uh with some kind of behind the scenes stuff that you had asked me to do uh you're right i did not get to go to a lot of sessions in person but again a lot of those are out there in the virtual world i haven't uh checking those out so now in my district we have what we have to do in order to move columns on the pay scale is we have to collect contact units or we just call them CUs. And for every three hours of time, whether it's a class, it's webinars, it's um, online classes, whatever you wanna call them, what, whatever it is that you do, you, got, you get one CU for every three hours. And, and then also for presenting sessions at conferences and whatnot. So there's a lot of different things you can do but you have to do some really meticulous tracking of what you're doing. So now for this, I had to provide my conference registration to show that yes, I was registered for the conference. And then on top of that, I had to provide a spreadsheet of the sessions I went to with names, session descriptions, titles, what time they were held, because we have to show when these were attended, because if they're during contracted school time, I can't count those towards salary advancement. So like 
basically anything I went to during the day on Thursday and Friday, it wasn't going to count anyway. So, uh, so a lot of those, if they're available, if there's something I wanted to see available virtually after the fact, I can go back and watch it and track that. So, well, and then Q sent out the certificate of attendance as well. Uh, which is just something that I, I don't necessarily need that, I don't think, but I added it to the folder of stuff I submitted onto my uh, tracking service that the district uses anyway, just so it's just something a little bit more proof that I was there. So now over the course of going to the conference, the, the sessions I went to there that were outside of contract time, the ones that I watched, I was able to track 25 hours of stuff that I have participated in. So when you do the math on that, that's eight contact units I'll be able to collect. Now, over the course of collecting contact units in my district, you got to get 225 of them in order to move to a new column. So eight of them, it doesn't sound like a lot, but think about like how much time you're actually putting in. It's quite a bit, actually. So, And you know, I was looking back at previous conferences that were virtual over the last couple of years, like fall queue and spring queue. Um, I know for fall queue from a couple of years ago, I was able to track six contact units and then presenting at different events like uh, fall queue. When I presented there a couple of years ago, I was able to track, I believe, three contact units because the time that took me to prep the materials, actually present the materials, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a lot of time consuming work to do it in my district. But in the end, yes, I'll be able to move columns and then I believe just the starting bump on a column move is like $6,000 or something like that. And I mean, there's other things you can do, like you can do college coursework, but at this point I've got two masters and an educational specialist. I mean, I could eventually go for a doctorate, but I don't, I'm not going to go spend $60,000 on a doctorate to get a $6,000 pay bump. So the contact units I'm looking for, I'm trying to get them as um, inexpensively as possible because I don't want to spend money to make money, <laughs> you yeah. know, so that old saying there. Well, and that, that's good to know because, you know, I, I I would attend the Q conference just to attend it, right? When I was, when I was a member, just to be able to. Right. And, and it's the same thing for me. I just want to, I want to learn as well, but yeah. there is that bonus perk. I can get the contact units. Yeah. You know, and that's the point I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, a lot of people go just to learn and, and for the betterment of themselves, they may not know that those they can actually count the time and sessions that they're going to to move up in their pay scale or move up in their district. So make sure you ask uh, those those questions like, hey, can this count towards uh, this or that? I know um, we always have a couple colleges there at the camp or at, at the at the conference like uh, Fresno Pacific where you can uh, buy units. So like you can get three units for a certain number of dollars and you just have to provide the school with maybe a, a synopsis of what you learned or a couple pages worth of things and you get those units. So I know a lot of districts, you can move up based upon uh, GUs, graduate level units. Uh, so that's an option as well. I, that's what I used to do uh, is, is those graduate level units. And I, I, I maxed out <laughs> when I was in my district of how many units that I, I, I could keep adding to bump other than the years of service to move up those pay scales. Yeah. Well, in addition, in the state of Nevada, you have to provide evidence of professional learning for every year so you can renew your license down the road. So um, they, they changed that a couple of years ago. It used to be you had to collect six credits. So you take a couple college classes or something like that. And it was it hadn't been an issue 
throughout my career collecting those credits because I got my first master's in 2010. And that was around the time I had to renew my license for the first time. Then I got my EDS in 2014. That was around the time I had to renew the second time. And then when I got my master's in special education in 2019, that was around the time I had to renew again. Well, now my license is good through 2027 at this point. So I still have five years left on my teaching license before I have to renew again. Well, they changed the rules since I last renewed to where now instead of college course credit, you have to do 15 hours per year. And and it's really broad what you can do. It could be college course credit or it could be attending a conference and tracking your hours. So that actually, to me, works out in my benefit. Because again, I'm not looking to go back to school anytime soon. So I have enough in student loan debt. And again, I'm not going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to make $6,000 more a year. That doesn't make any sense at all. So by tracking these hours, going to Spring Q or the conference I went to in Washington, D.C. at the beginning of March, I was able to track, well, 25 hours thus far for spring queue. And then I tracked six hours for the conference I went to in Washington, DC. So I'm good on my hours for this year at this point for, for my license. So in 2027, when I'm up to renew again, I'll be, I have it all saved into the system with the Nevada department of education that here's the evidence of my stuff. All I'll have to do is pay the fee. And then the one I like is they make you pay for fingerprint fee every time you renew your license. I'm sorry, you have my fingerprints on file. My fingerprints are not changing. You're just, that's a money grab at that, that point. So, but I'll be good to go come 2027 from doing things like Spring Q. So, and I don't think a lot of people here in Nevada realize that by going to conference, you track those hours and there you go, you're done. You don't have to worry about, you know, last minute going and paying money for a quick college course in order to fulfill your requirement for your license. No, and, that, and that's good to know as well. I mean, make sure you know all those things. I like in, in California, I've I've never needed to provide anything <laughs> in order to renew my license. You just pay like the fifty or seventy five dollars, and boom, you're renewed for the next five years. I assume that it's it's due to uh, school districts have to have a certain number of PD hours, PD days uh, in their calendar, and they they. They like, well, as long as the schools are complying, you're getting your PD hours in. So, you know, we don't need the teachers to track it. The schools are tracking it. So that's what, that's my assumption there. Um, now, Kyle, when you go to these conferences, is there an expectation that you're now going to share out things that you've learned? Uh, you're going to share out with the, your staff back at your school site or share out with uh, other SIFs, other TOSAs in your district when you come back. Is, is there anything like that? where you need to kind of collect information or thoughts or resources to be able to share out. Because I'll tell you this, when, uh, when I would go to conferences, um, I would go with fellow TOSAs from my district and we would divide and conquer. We go, okay, you go to this session. I'm going to go to this session. You should go to that session. Um, and we'd, we'd, we'd go to different sessions. We'd sit in, we'd listen, we'd collect the resources and then we would uh, grab those resources, make a copy of those resources and place them into a Google Drive. And then we all had all of these resources. And then we'd have like a day together where we would present at this session. This is what, what this is what I learned. Here's some key parts of this uh, slide deck that you probably want to go over. Or this is a new cool tool that we saw or this is a new routine that we saw. 
Do you have anything like that in your district, any expectations of sharing out? And if so, any favorite tools that you use to sh easily share out information with the rest of your staff? So because my district is so big, again, we're the, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, but for those who have never heard or have forgotten, the Clark County School District, where I work in Las Vegas, is 320,000 students. We're the fifth largest district in the country. So we're absolutely massive. We have over 450 schools. So to have one single policy in that regard would be really tough to enforce. So it's really kind of on a school by school basis as to how that works. So uh, now years ago, there was a school I worked at where if we went to a conference, yes, we were expected when the next time a staff development day rolled around that we are expected to share something that we took from that conference, which, and I have no problem doing that because Again, I, I really enjoy presenting, but my current school doesn't necessarily have that expectation. So uh, with that, it's more of, I talk to after Dream Deferred in Washington, DC, and then after Spring Q, there's a couple sessions from each of those that I, I would just talk to my principal at lunch. She's on lunch duty and I just tracked her down and said, hey, I went to this session and I learned this there. And I think this would be something that'd be really cool that we could do here. And we had a conversation about it. And then um, come to find out, you mentioned paper that was a sponsor of Spring Q. Um, my district actually is in the process of piloting paper uh, eventually for the entire district. Uh, and there's a handful of schools that are part of the pilot program. And I was told at Spring Q by one of the paper reps that, hey, your school's not on that list, but find out who is in charge of the pilot program there and let them know you want your school to be on that. So I, I pass that along to my principal, but we can't figure out who the person is now. And again, because our district is so big, you ask one person, they're like, oh, I don't know, maybe they'll know. And it just, it's been going down the chain now, trying to figure out who this person is. We haven't been able to figure it out yet. Cause I, I had Philip Cutler on the Beer EDU podcast, who is the CEO and creator of paper a few months back. And I was enthralled with that program then when we talked about it. And then after seeing it, more in action at Spring Q, I'm like, we need this program and to find out that my district's on the pilot program. That was really exciting. So I'm still working on trying to get that figured out. Now, for myself, when I go to conferences, I create a Google Doc for every session I go to and I take the notes. If there's a link that the presenter provides, that link goes in the notes. That way I can go back to looking at it. So um, I just, I do a quick summary of uh, a lot of the things that are going on in there. Sometimes I go to a session, I might have a, a single, like almost not necessarily a paragraph because I tend to take notes and bullet points, but maybe just a handful of bullet points. But then sometimes I take two full pages of notes, depending on how much information is in that session. And then I save all that into a Google drive folder that if all of a sudden somebody wants to know, Hey, what sessions did you go to? What did you learn? I can just give them the link to the drive folder you know, rather than just the individual uh, links or to the Google Docs or whatever. And I like to do the individual docs because then I know where I can find the stuff. So I know that session X is this document, session Y is this document versus opening up a single document and then having to scroll through and find the stuff in there. So um, I used to use Google Keep to do it, but then the Google Keep notes got a little bit ridiculous um, sometimes with a lot of the stuff that I was learning in session. So I just, I reverted back to using the Google docs. So, and then uh, I always will have a paper notebook with me just for some quick stuff, but I, I don't 
I don't do well taking notes on paper anymore since uh, I've been, I'm so technologically inclined to do stuff at this point. So, uh, but, but that's kind of what I do with that. So when I was at Dream Deferred, uh, I was having an issue there because uh, my computer, uh, the battery of my computer is uh, not very good anymore. So if I can get an hour out of the battery at this point, uh, that, that's, a, that's a good day. Um, I was having issues at Dream Deferred where uh, there were not plugs available anywhere and my computer's dying. So then I had to go to my phone, pull the Google Doc up on the phone and basically type it out there. But hey, I was, I was able to do it still, though. It wasn't like I wasn't uh, getting the notes at all. So but it was just it, it was a little bit more cumbersome. So, you know, typing out a few things like on a text message or something. Yeah, it's fine. I can do that. But when you're trying to pay attention to an hour long session and take notes on it, it's a lot harder to do it on the phone than it is on your computer. Yeah, no, I like those. I like those options. I, and, and, you know, utilizing uh, note taking techniques that students would probably benefit from, uh, you know, while you're going through the conference, I think is great uh, modeling on, on your part. I'll, I'll tell you, one of the things that I used to use, uh, actually, I still use it, is a Chrome extension called uh, OneTap. And what this Chrome extension does is I will, I will go to all these different sessions. They'll give you the links to their, um, to their uh, resources. I would type it in, pop it up, follow along, but I would keep all those tabs open throughout the entire conference. And once I'm done with the conference, I click one tab uh, and it takes all those open tabs and brings it into a list. And then I can go in and rename the list Spring Q 2022. And then I can turn it into a link that I can then share out to anybody. I can say, hey, here's all the sessions I went to. Here's all the links to the resources. And boom, they have it. So I used to always use one tab and I would share it out with my staff. I'm like, hey, here's just all the links. If there's any of these things in here that, that look uh, exciting to you, let's, let's meet up and let's chat through how you can utilize this in your class. So that was one thing I used to use. I was talking to a lot of TOSA teams that were coming down the pipe and they were using Wakelet. Uh, so they we would have a shared Wakelet together and they would go in, grab the uh, the link. And if they had the Wakelet extension, they can just click on it and boom, it's tur it turns it into a, a, a link on their shared uh, Wakelet. But they would go in, they'd put the link in and type a little bit about the session, almost take notes on that on that live Wakelet. And, and, and they would be able to uh, share that throughout. And that Wakelet can then be shared as a, uh, a group resource to the rest of the staff. I like the Wakelet idea because you can add that extra text to it. And in Wakelet, uh, it also allows you to do a Flipgrid short, a real quick video uh, in the in the Wakelet, a Flipgrid short. And so like, let's say you're done with the session and you have a whole bunch of ideas in your head that you can use from this session. Instead of typing out all the ideas, you can click in the Wakelet underneath that same thing, Flipgrid, and you can record yourself just giving a quick synopsis of what you learned, how you want to use it. And now anybody can watch that. I mean, sometimes being able to utilize different modalities helps uh, not only uh, those who are going to be sharing that Wakelet, but also helps you remember things. So I like the Wakelet idea, and I, I think those TOSA groups uh, hit on a really great goldmine to be able to share out with the rest of their staff and district if they were asked to do that. Yeah, uh, 
it's no secret you and I love Wakelet. Uh, I've actually resorted to my one presentation that I do quite often on Google certifications. I don't have a Google slide deck or anything for that anymore. I just have a Wakelet collection. And when I'm presenting that, I just have all the links to the information on Google certifications in there. I share the link out to Wakelet to those in attendance, and then they can go back and see that anytime they want. So uh, Wakelet has their extension for Google Chrome, where if a presenter is talking about something, hey, here's a link to this website, some great information, you can just click on the Wakelet extension, save that into a collection. Or if you're not a Wakelet user, a couple other extensions, Google ones that are really effective as well. There's the Google Keep extension where you can save links into a Google Keep note. Uh, you mentioned about uh, before using Wakelet to save all those links from a presentation and share that Wakelet link out. Before Wakelet was really a thing, I did that with Google Keep where if I'm at a conference, the presenters are providing the link to their presentation. I would use Google Keep, save all those links and then just put in the note uh, name it, Spring Queue, whatever it is, uh, the quick description, and then put in there the link to the presentation and then the name of the presentation. Then I had all of it on a Google Keep note. And while it's not as uh, effective, I don't think, to share it out like a Wakelet collection, you can still share on Google Keep notes as well with people too. So that's something that you just you put the share settings on there, much like you would a Google Doc or Slides presentation. You just add collaborators onto that note if you want people to see that. So. Uh, the other one is that if people are providing you with things like docs or sheets or slides um, or even other things, there's a lot of different things you do. There's a save to Google Drive extension that's there as well to where you get the link to something and it comes up, boom, you click that and then it saves it in your Google Drive. And then later on, you can go in, create the folder and then dump everything into that folder in Google Drive, mess with the settings if you have to, so on and so forth. So uh, I, I love geeking out about the extensions. I'm glad you brought those up. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think, you know, making sure people know that there are ways to really archive everything that you're doing uh, is in a very simple and quick way is very important. Um, and, and in fact, when you were talking about your Wakelet collection as your uh, pre presentation resource, that's one of the key tips I gave to new presenters this time around. I said, you know, you can hyperlink all the different stuff in your presentation if you want, uh, in your Google slide deck. I go, but if you give them a resource that has your slide deck in it, but also clickable links to everything you're gonna have them do in that slide deck, I think that's a better course of action. And I, I said, Wakelet's a great way to do that. A Padlet collection is a great way to do that. And uh, I had quite a few presenters come up to me and said, we, you know, we hadn't thought about doing it that way, but it was a lifesaver uh, during not only our face-to-face, -face, but our virtual sessions as well, because we knew our participants had access to everything on one single document. So, uh, you know, just, just, just a great way to, to enhance your uh, presentation resources. So I love that you had mentioned that. And, you know, the last thing that I want to say is even if you, even if there isn't an expectation of you when you go to a conference that you come back and share out, if there's something you learned, if there's something that your fellow teachers truly need to hear about, ask your administration, hey, you know what, on our next staff meeting, can I have five, 10 minutes just to share out a couple nuggets of what I've learned. Um, 
and 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 see if they'll let you do that. I know staff meetings are usually, you know, wall to wall with, you know, things that the administrators need to tell the teachers and you have very little time to do it, but ask. If not, maybe they'll um, fund a lunch and learn in your in your room. Say, hey, can can I do a lunch and learn with and let teachers come to me and, and see what I've learned? And maybe we can provide sandwiches or those little pin pin roll things you buy at Costco or something. And they come in, I just show them a few things. Maybe they'll say yes and they'll fund it. And hey, maybe that can be turning into a monthly thing that you do for your fellow educators. Uh, I, I would just hate that all the amazing things that you learned at uh, Spring Q just stays with you, just stays within your four classroom walls or maybe within your, uh, your department. Uh, if there's so many good things that you learn that you know your fellow teachers will benefit from, find a way to share that out. Um, and, you know, that's how you become that leader on your campus. That's, that's how you become that change maker on your campus. And I've always said it, a teaching is a collaborative sport. And if you're doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. If you're creating lessons just for your class and not sharing them out with the rest of your staff, you're not doing it correctly. You, you make something so that other students can benefit. So share it out. So share out the resources you found. Uh, any closing remarks for you, Kyle? I know we talk a lot about Q uh, being you're based in California, I'm based in Nevada. And I know that not all of our listeners are based uh, out West here. So um, apply this to anything that's in your area. So if you're in Michigan, you have McCall, that organization. Uh, you have in the Southeast, you have FETC, the Florida-based organization. Texas has TCEA. Um, I believe Ohio has an organization. Massachusetts has Q. There's a Mass Q. Um, so there's different places that have different organizations. And then there's different smaller ones or district level ones. Apply these different ideas to whatever's in your local area. I, I, again, I know we talk a lot about Q and some of you are maybe like, well, I wasn't there or... Um, I have no idea what this the organization is or anything like that, uh, but just just apply that to whatever's in your local area and 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 share things out from your local areas as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, right? Because we are talking about uh, the Q organization, but we're also talking about, like Kyle said, the organization that you belong to. Uh, the conference that you love to go to, right? Whether it, whether it's FETC or TCEA or ISTE or uh, McCall or MassQ, you know, any of these uh, conferences are amazing places to get new and, and great information uh, and also places to reinvigorate yourself. Because I, I want to say this in closing, you know, I'm glad we did virtual conferences because it still allowed us to share information. But nothing beats a face-to-face -face conference. Nothing beats the uh, surge of energy you get when you are conversing with a fellow educator and coming up with ideas right next to one another. Nothing beats being able to hang out with one another after the fact. Uh, and I'll tell you, even though I didn't get to hang out uh, or go to a, a different vendor parties or go to different affiliate meetups, that I would have wanted to, being able to hang around the conference center and talk with educators and, and just see uh, the look of, uh, of happiness on their face, it was well worth it. I'm super excited how the conference went uh, and I'm excited at all the feedback we've been, we've been getting because of most of it, I would say 99.9% .9 of all the feedback we're getting 
is absolutely positive. So uh, I, I just want to say to all the educators who made it out to Palm Springs those last few weeks ago, thank you so much. It was great to see you. Great to hear you and great to be with you. And I can't wait for us to do it again because guess what, Kyle? In October, we are doing it again at Fall Q, October 22nd to 23rd near Sacramento in, uh, in Stockton, California at the Teacher College of San Joaquin. We are going to be having Fall Q and I hear there's going to be some great food there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say what yet until we get it finalized, but I hear it's going to be a great food extravaganza for our break. And it's such a great time that we're going to have an hour and a half for lunch because we want to make sure each of you gets to enjoy what we have planned. But um, we're, that's the next face-to-face -face that I am probably going to be going to, um, unless I go to ISTE, who knows. Uh, but uh, Kyle, any any final, I already said, already said final last words, but any final, final last words for our listeners before we uh, sign out today? Yeah, I can second pretty much everything you just said. Just that energy that I I've got um, after a week of decompression. Uh, just I, I'm I'm reinvigorated. So uh, I've kicked out a couple blog posts. I hadn't I hadn't published anything in like four or five months, and I've kicked out two. And I've got a third one that I'm sitting on uh, because I'm just making sure that it's worded how I want it to be worded before I hit that publish button. And then uh, between Dream Deferred in Washington D.C. and then Spring Q. I've got several people lined up now as guests for the Beer EDU podcast. There's going to be some incredible conversations over on that one as well. So um, if you have not listened to that show yet, I would love for you to check out my other show uh, where Ben Dixon and I, we talk to educators about education and we drink some beers while we do it and we have an absolute blast. So, but, um, and then I will also second um, my gratitude to everybody I got to see at Spring Q and the conversations I had. And I look forward to the next in-person one. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to make fall cue or not, but uh, definitely looking forward to uh, some in-person learning again and uh, definitely looking at the different affiliates for cue uh, and seeing what their local affiliates are doing for some in-person learning as well. I've been to several different uh, events put on different affiliates before uh, CAPQ and SGBQ in particular. Uh, so looking at some of those, looking forward to maybe possibly getting to some in-person events with the smaller affiliates as well. Yeah, you know, you, you look around your area, look on the Twitters, find out where you can go and just be with other educators because now that uh, things are looking brighter and, uh, and uh, you know, being together is, is more feasible, let's try to do that more and more often. Uh, thank you, everybody, for for listening. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for um, you know being a part of the EdTech Army. Hopefully, Kyle and I gave you some uh, some neat little tips on how you can collate the information you learn and disseminate that information to the rest of your staff, and maybe even find a way to uh, collect information on your own throughout the year. Um, and uh, as always, uh, you know, keep on making changes. Keep on innovating, and just keep on being that amazing educator that we know you are. And will always continue to be and just keep on sharing the love of ed tech for the betterment of our students because the more they are engaged uh the more they are utilizing uh their their own thought processes in your classroom the better the class is going to be uh so until next time everybody we hope you have yourselves a wonderful wonderful week uh, whether you are going to be going on spring break coming back from spring break or anticipating spring break we hope you take some time for yourself and some time for your family. have yourselves a wonderful day.